When I remember to thank God for his goodness to me, it helps me to remember that God loves me and that he'll always look after me because he made me. We are doing a series of sermons on spiritual disciplines. A spiritual discipline is a practice, it's a thing that we do regularly that is good for us spiritually. Spiritual disciplines help us to get to know Jesus better and to be more like him. Spiritual disciplines train us in godliness. Last week we thought about how things that are good for us spiritually are also likely to be good for us physically and emotionally and mentally. Spiritual disciplines actually keep us fit in many ways. It is important to note that a spiritual discipline is not necessarily, it's, it's most definitely not something that saves us, nor is it something that earns us, uh, quote, brownie points with God, unquote. No, we are saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. But a spiritual discipline is something that saved people do in order to grow in godliness. And spiritual disciplines are things that require discipline. That is to say, they are things that require a degree of commitment or hard work. They are things that we do even though there may be many times when we don't feel like doing them. In fact, they are things that we are often tempted to forget or ignore. That's why they're called disciplines. I've heard it said that there are three types of people in the world. Those that say, the glass is half full. Those that say, the glass is half empty. And those that say, hey, I ordered a cheeseburger. And jokes aside, we live in a world which is usually a mixture of good and bad. Every cloud has a silver lining. It's an ill wind that blows no good. It's when times are darkest that we see the stars shine brightest we usually find that there is an upside to most bad things. Conversely, on the other hand, every rose uh, has its thorn and every silver lining has its cloud. There is usually a downside attached to good things and even the most perfect day has its irritations or disappointments. In this life, in this world, everything is a mixture of good and bad. That's because we're living in a world that is, at the most basic level, broken. We broke it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and, we, and, and God filled this world with living beings, including us, creatures created in his image and likeness. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. But humanity rebelled. Human beings sinned. We turned our backs on God. We broke his rules. That's what sin is. Sin is ignoring God and breaking his rules. Whenever sin goes unchecked, this ignoring of God gets worse and worse, even to the point of denying that God exists at all. And so the atheist, the person who doesn't believe in God or the person who believes that there is no God, the atheist refuses to thank God because there's no God to thank, as far as they are concerned. It interests me that when you look carefully at the arguments of atheists, men like Richard Dawkins and Stephen Fry, 
you see that their argument is not so much that God cannot exist, but rather that if God does exist, he must be very evil indeed to allow all the bad things in the world, all the suffering that we encounter. And so, from a certain point of view, the human mind can get itself to a place where not only is there no thanksgiving, but indeed God is bad and he is to be rebuked and censured. One of the things that's ghastly about such thinking is that it completely forgets that we are creatures, living beings made by God. In the wilderness... After God had saved his people, the Israelites, the Hebrews, after he had brought them up out of the land of slavery, out of Egypt, God tested his people. He brought them into the desert, into the wilderness, to the place where there was no food and where there was no water. In other words, God gave his people something to grumble about to see if they would grumble. And yes, They grumbled. And God punished them for grumbling because grumbling is evil even when you have something to grumble about. How does that work, you might ask? When we assume that God is bad, weak, or uncaring because our circumstances are hard or difficult, we are making a very, very big mistake. God is never Bad, weak, or uncaring. The Israelites had seen the mighty miracles of God, his judgments upon Pharaoh, and his provision for the Israelites, both his mighty power to punish as well as his mighty power to save. So then, God expects his people to know and live the truth that he is good and only good all of the time, with no badness or unrighteousness unrighteousness in him at all, even in bad times we live these truths. What should they have done instead? What should they have done instead of grumbling? Or what's the opposite of grumbling? The opposite of grumbling is giving thanks or thanksgiving. There's no bread? There's no water? Well, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for always providing for us in the past. We know you are able to save, able to part the seas, able to save the righteous, able to bring the seas back together, able to punish your enemies. Nothing is impossible for you. Because we are your creatures, because you made us and saved us, we trust you to provide for us. God, please give us this day our daily bread. Amen. And just in case you're not familiar with the story, God always looked after them. He always provided for them. When we stop to thank God for looking after us and for all the good things he has given us, that's when we remember that we are his creatures, that he loves us, that he's always looked after us in the past. And he will always look after us in the future. So then, a basic spiritual discipline is remembering to thank God all of the time for everything. In Ephesians chapter 5, we read from verse 15 and following, 
Paul writes, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians, we are in the process of learning to live in a way that pleases God. And that is therefore true to our biology, true to what we are and who we really are. Constantly thanking God for Jesus, for saving us, for loving us, and for all the things he's given us moves us further and further away from being evil grumblers, lost in incomprehension, lost in self-centeredness, and closer and closer to the mind of Christ, wherein we trust God in and through every experience. Therefore, the spiritual discipline of thanksgiving is good for our mental health. Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I um, struggle with anxiety from time to time. Sometimes I get very anxious and I don't know what to do. At those times, the anxiety is very uncomfortable And I wish it would go away. There are several things, however, that that do help enormously. The first thing, obviously, the first thing is to pray. That's important. For me, um, though, um, praying by myself sometimes doesn't help. In fact, at such times, being by myself can just make things worse. In such times, I find that I need to find somebody I trust and ask them to pray with me and for me. Usually that person that I trust is Jo. I, I tell her what I'm feeling anxious about. Sometimes it's very, very difficult to have that conversation because I know that what I'm anxious about is actually something that's quite silly, an imaginary scenario that's unlikely to happen. Um, what the psychologists call catastrophist fantasies. Uh, So then, I know I need to tell Joe, but also I don't want to. But when I do tell Joe, Joe listens to me patiently, something she's very good at, and then she prays for me, and we pray together, and usually then the anxiety goes away immediately. We do need each other. And just to get technical for a moment, the second person pronouns in the scripture I've just quoted, they're all plural. So so let's translate it again. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let you guys' gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present all these guises' requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard all these guises' hearts and all these guises' minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, for the word use given to us. Um, from uh, um, Italian and Greek Australians, what would we do without them? Not alone by yourself, but together with people you trust, present your requests to God with thanksgiving. Why? Because when I thank God for everything, I remember that he made me, that he loves me, that he will always save me. I remember listening to the radio about 10 years ago, and the radio article was describing a university study that was undertaken in America. Uh, In the study, uni students were given an exercise. They were asked to count on one hand five things that they were thankful for, just once a day, but every day. The scientists found that after a week, those students were measurably happier, to use that as a psychologist's term, those students were measurably happier than students that didn't do the exercise. Well, surprise, surprise, being thankful is good for you. And let's remember, of course, that being anxious is bad for you leading to heart disease, cancer, and a shorter, more miserable lifespan. But but please don't be anxious about that. So that's the basic lesson for today. Let's practice being thankful, remembering to thank God for as many things as we can think of, as often as we can remember to, giving thanks in all circumstances, being a thankful people. Now that we've done that which is basic, let's make an attempt at something that's a bit more advanced. We always all have people in our lives that we struggle with, that we struggle to love, that we find easy to hate, that we wish, at least sometimes, weren't in our lives. I find that thanking God for them is an extremely powerful thing to do. It shifts something. You may have already noticed how in the New Testament Paul is constantly thanking God for this person and for that person. So then, likewise and also, when we need things to change, when we're asking for breakthrough, a really important thing to do is to thank God for the very people or the very things that we think are actually the problem. To thank God for the things or the people who are actually making our lives hell. That would prompt an important question. Do I thank God for evil things when evil things happen to me? A range of different answers are possible. And it is essential that we think clearly about this. One reason why this is so important is that thanksgiving is a form of spiritual warfare. Paul draws this connection between thanksgiving and defeating the schemes of Satan in his first letter to Timothy, in which he writes that those people who forbid marriage or certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving, 
Those teachings are demonic teachings, not godly doctrines. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. It is likewise enormously powerful when um, Satan is banging us over the head again and again and again with something because he just knows how much we hate it, how much we fear it, how much it gets under our skin. Perhaps it's a reoccurring illness or a disability or bad or terrible news, a rejection or refusal of recognition. It is enormously powerful when we thank God for such things Because Satan never does anything that God hasn't allowed him to do, given him permission for, in one way or another. So when Satan tempts me to despair, or to freak out in fear or worry, or with rage or irritation, if I then thank God for the very thing that Satan is doing, it drives Satan nuts. It undermines, disables, disempowers His strategy, thanksgiving, is spiritual warfare. But then somebody might might say, I'm not going to thank God for this evil thing that happened, because it's evil. To be sure, Jesus didn't thank his father for the cross. Paul didn't thank God for his reoccurring eye illness. Not that we know of. And what's correct is that we never say that something that is evil is good or something that is good is evil. I would never pray, Lord, thank you that that person abused me. It's so good that that person abused me. No, abuse is not good, it is always evil. But I can always pray, Lord, In your sovereignty, you allowed that evil thing to happen. And I thank you that it happened because I trust your sovereignty, that you are good and only good all of the time. I trust that you allowed me to suffer for some redemptive reason. And by the way, what is it? Nor would I ever say or ever pray, Oh, thank you, Lord, that my friend has been diagnosed with cancer, for you must have something really good in mind. No, a diagnosis of cancer is an evil thing, not good. It is for my friend to thank God for his or her circumstances in whatever way may make sense to them. And as for me, I'll be praying for them for healing, that this evil thing might be gone. But in thinking this through, Let's reconsider the wilderness wanderings. God led his people, who had seen his mighty power to save and his mighty power to punish, God led his people into experiences of deficiency and deprivation in order to test them, in order that, in the end, it might go well with them. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 16. God reserves the right to deny us what we need when we need it. And God reserves the right to give us what we need, like another hold in the head, just when we need it least, 
in order that, in the end, it might go well with us. How, our hearts scream, how can that possibly work? If God were for me, if he cared about my welfare, he'd give me what I need when I need it, and he would protect me from anything that might harm me all of the time, just as I do for my own children. Well, God is good and only good all of the time. And God is in charge all of the time. And yet, he lets us suffer. If we are to reconcile these glaring contradictions, we need to radically readjust our understanding of the phrase, might go well with us. Paul writes, in the book of Romans, that, quote, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, unquote. And what is God's purpose? Well, the Father is revealing the Son to the world through us. God is reconciling the entire universe to himself through the death and resurrection of his Son. And we are his ambassadors. And so, God the Father allowed Satan to crucify his Son in order that we might be forgiven, in order that we might see for ourselves that evil is always self-defeating and that the way of the cross is the only path to victory. And so, God allowed Satan to torment the Apostle Paul with a thorn in his flesh, a pain that would not go away. This thorn drove Paul to his knees, forced him into conversation with Jesus. Three times Paul begged the Lord to take it away. But Jesus replied to him and said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect. In weakness. And that transformed, utterly transformed the experience of suffering in Paul's life. Therefore, Paul says, I will glory all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. For the sake of the glory of Jesus, I now delight. In weaknesses, in hardships, in persecutions, in rejections, in refusals, in slights and insults, in being forgotten, sidelined or excluded, in difficulties and obstacles and discouragements. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I believe that over the years, when I've thanked God for the things in my life that I've most passionately wished weren't in my life, rejections, loneliness, singleness, illnesses and diseases, failures and discouragements, exclusions and refusals of acknowledgement, that's when I've thanked God for these things. That's when I've seen transformation the power of God, his mighty acts on behalf of the righteous. And who are the righteous? 
those who trust that Jesus is king, that he is in charge all of the time, and that he is good and only good all of the time, and that he is working all things for the good of those he called, that they might be transformed into the likeness of Christ for all the world to see to the praise and glory of God. Thanksgiving is a matter of spiritual warfare. When we thank God, it is transformative. When I remember to thank God for his goodness to me, it helps me to remember that God loves me and that he'll always look after me because he made me. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Amen.